As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Welcome to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting out of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario, Canada. It is Thursday at 1 o'clock, perhaps, if you're listening live, or maybe you're listening later. And it's important for you to understand what time it was when this broadcast originally. I'm Jack, and I'm joined by the indomitable Joel. How you doing, Joel? It's me, JJB. It's him, JJB. Doesn't back rhyme again. as nicely. Guess who's back? Back again. <laughs> How you doing, Joel? Good. How are you? I'm well. It's it's slowly warming up, or at least uh, it looks that way in the long term forecast. Kind of, uh, you're seeing pluses in the you know fours, five, six, sevens, which is it's like a taste of spring. It's like a little. Little uh, scratch on your back, little little head yeah. pat. I was a little concerned when the snow started dropping again, but you know it, it was it was minor. All it could come again, you know. But you know this today was, or sorry, this week was the first week that I actually, you know, walked on some grass. Kind of That's nice. right. There's grass is poking up, uh, but the issue is that whenever it does this sort of stuff, where it's kind of inconsistent with a thaw where you have a bit of grass but there's ice everywhere the the paths i i take almost every morning are basically one gigantic ice trail that if it was flat people would be skating on the entire way but it, it's just inconsistent you still wear your spikes you gotta if you weren't yeah. or you aren't you're you'd just be slipping and sliding the entire time it's it's kind of uh kind of annoying to be honest but they're super handy for discus because you know, everyone else is like trying to plant and like sliding all over the place. You know, me with those spikes, just step down. That's where I stand. <laughs> they actually like, yeah, they give me a pretty much? good grip. Yeah, yeah. The, I, I think I'm just biased because I, I see the trails I'm on, and it's like the 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 crampons, the spikes, whatever you want to call them, they just keep you from sliding too much. Yeah, I'm still sliding. Still yeah, no, no, it's not like your the things you climb Everest with or whatever. With I don't <laughs> know, in the cartoons, they've got like two inch spikes. Yeah, it's. I imagine that's. Uh, I don't know if that'd be too like over the top for disking, in which like if you were wearing those, you just stop. Like you go to do a bit of a run up, and you just like screech to a halt, and you end up falling <laughs> forward. Yeah. No, it's yeah, it's been fine. I mean, they, 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 there's varying days too. Some days, like uh, two days ago, the clo- the wind was like 31 kilometers an hour. Yeah, it was just very trying windy. to throw in that. Just like they would just like stand up and drop. Like fastest wind I've probably ever played in. I guess if the wind's at your back, you get some crazy tosses. But at the same time, it's just so inconsistent that it's almost you almost just wish there was nothing. So you know yeah. you've got exactly what you're gonna do. That one's pretty easy. So you said you had your personal best uh, in a couple of places recently. So why yeah. don't we just get that out of the way right now? Yeah, well, if John, if you're listening, you suck and I'm coming for you. 
No, I mean, <laughs> we've had uh, some good competition lately. John's actually beaten me twice. Um, one in Centennial, one here at Riverside, which is like, you know, my home turf. Uh, but maybe, maybe like him forced me to get serious after <laughs> beating me. But maybe, uh, uh, I did watch, you know, another YouTube video on putting. It's just like after, after like all these videos, like, oh, maybe this one will make me better. And you know what? Maybe it did. It was basically just don't aim left, right at all when you putt, just up, down. Because, you know, like if you're going like from left to right and you're coming up, you know, you're missing, 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 hitting, missing, missing, missing. If you're just going up and down, you have like a whole bunch of different varieties of throw that actually go in. Oh, I got the best. What can I say? I got well, yeah. Uh, minus four with six birdies. These birdies you tossed, were they mostly from just solid drives that got you so close that putting wasn't a problem? Or was this, uh, like solid second? Like, oh, uh, no, they were all, all park jobs, as you call it, like 11 feet away. Mm -hmm. Maybe cause there was a couple like 15, 20s. I think I made one on hole four that was like a 30, 30 footer, maybe. That one yep. was a little more difficult. Obviously, yeah. the putting was hot. It has to be. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, the drives were still putting me in the right spots. And there were a couple times where I got extremely lucky. Like, I think I shanked a drive off into a tree, and the tree knocked my disc under the pin, you know? <laughs> it's like I just couldn't do any wrong. I what hill or what, what courses were these? Uh, that was a riverside at uh scarlet woods i would say it was just good old-fashioned hard work that got me uh <laughs> and two new discs yeah. <laughs> where'd you get the discs from uh Westside discs uh is the company that makes them but i got them from dead man discs have you heard of them no not at all they're in fergus it's just a guy's house yeah <laughs> well where's he like... getting them from He's a website. He gets them, you know, in bulk, and then he just leaves packages on his porch. People come and pick it up. It's a decent model, especially it's a business. Well, yeah, especially it's like it. I I feel like it's one of these things where it's like you're you're into the hobby yourself, so you start investigating like getting discs, and then you get enough people asking about it, and you think, well, why not? Like, I'll, I'll take the risk, like any small business owner, and. I'll get a, a a box or I'll get the bulk one where I'm paying X per yeah. unit at at mass quantity and be like, okay, like I've got I start the website and I'll say anyone interested, pick these up and I don't mind holding on the inventory, sit in my garage and go from there. Yeah, I mean if you're buying stuff in bulk and you're not like renting a location, like what's your overhead? You're yeah, fine. the overhead's minimal. You're just carrying over whatever uh I guess you want to get really anal about it. Like <laughs> if you take that money instead and put in something else, but versus, yeah. but that's where the hobby aspect uh, comes in. Right. Yeah. Well, I know that there's a couple of guys, uh, one guy that Noe was talking to who was taking runs down to Michigan and even like, uh, you know, quarantined for two weeks to get down there. Cause some guy had like 200 discs he could buy and, you know, they were like five, six bucks each. And I'm sure he's turning a huge profit here in Canada with those. Like they're all used. 
They weren't like new discs for six bucks. But... That's, that's a lot of work for <laughs> like, yeah, he's, making he's six dollars profit. <laughs> disc <Per> runner. Disc, <laughs> <laughs> what a bizarre. You know what? Good for him. I saw. I actually saw. This is like insanity. It's like you know, like hockey cards and stuff. But there was like an original print Firebird that uh, one of the pros had in his bag during the tournament last weekend. The mm. first tournament of the year was last weekend, by the way. Um, and uh, he said it was worth. Th- he had sold a beat up version of the same one for about three thousand dollars. That I, I call shenanigans. Who is no. paying three thousand dollars for a bloody used? So he disc? said that the one he had because it was in good quality. He said it was probably worth about six. Why? It was this... like original printing. It's like an off color. You know, it's like anything that's rare. Yeah, but this is like it's it's not like JFK's <laughs> golf clubs where you're like keeping them in the corner it's in a glass case. That people are this dumb. <laughs> it, it, but it's like it's beyond that. It's like it's it's kind of like buying the uh, like the C3PO in the R2D2 packaging and like opening up and playing with it. And you're like, oh boy, <laughs> like somebody will pay a lot of money for this. Like, congratulations, Cup. <laughs> <laughs> It's I don't know. Good for them. I'm not saying it's yep. I'm against it. I, I just think it's bizarre. Golf collectors items now, you know. Well, look, if people are paying uh, <laughs> hilarious amounts of money for non fungible tokens of like videos files from the internet, <laughs> like, fungible tokens, yeah. Like, what's it, like, can you like? Because I've tried to like wrap my head around it. Can you explain like the hash required and what's actually going on when these gpus need to make a bitcoin like what are they doing and why is it so much slower now it's like it's become more complicated somehow i i don't know tons about it beyond the fact of i think you basically summed it all up is that the initially what happened is that the mat the requirements to mine a block were far simpler so you could it would take far less uh, processing units or whatever technical phrase you're going to use to crack it and get your piece of ore from that block. And as it gets lower and lower, it, the requirements increase exponentially, or I don't know if exponentially is even the right word, but it just gets more and more difficult. So the the requirements get higher and higher until you go from one person can sit there with their uh, their GPU just mining hundreds of Bitcoins over you know, uh, over a week to it takes an entire server farm in China burning, I don't know, the energy requirements <laughs> of a small nation to extract. Yeah. Uh, it's like so one that, Bitcoin. Like, yeah. It, I don't know why, like, they, they did maybe to prevent inflation. It's like, well, it's who a decides de- how complicated it is. Like, it's who a gets deflationary concern. Like, $200,000. And they're like, I'm the guy that's going to tell you uh, okay so i don't want to go far too far into this but it most at the end of the day you could argue it's like it's one of these things where it's like i'm gonna hand you this like uh, i'm gonna grab a random object from my desk i'm gonna hand you this piece of paper from royal city brewery that says thank you for buying from royal city brewery and i say that this is uh what do you think this is worth i'm gonna say it's worth a hundred dollars and you say nuts to you jack it's not worth a hundred dollars but it turns out that Royal City Brewery doesn't make these anymore. It's more difficult to get to. And all of a sudden, the price kind of like gets up there. Mm-hmm. Yep. But at the end of the day, it's about what, why, are you, why are you taking this piece of paper from me? Your, your whole purpose of taking this piece of paper is to trade to somebody else, ostensibly yep. to the value is more what money. people think it's worth, right? But yeah, which you could say for any currency. But the issue is, is that 
and this is something that's always bugged me about these these cryptocurrencies. And I don't even I don't even think most people say currency anymore because that's almost a misnomer because they're basically commodities and mm -hmm. that you're just holding on to them because you you believe they're going to increase in value. You can sell it to somebody else. But a commodity is worth worthwhile in some sense. Like even this piece of paper is more valuable, I would argue, than a Bitcoin is because this piece of paper I can write on, I can fold into a paper airplane, I can do something. The Bitcoin is literally, <laughs> uh, literally useless. It, it's but a, it's a somewhat, pog. What is it that about it being hard to make that makes it believed to, to be valuable? Well, it's because it's it's more. It's like it gets back into the idea of it not being made anymore. So, or more difficult to get. So, if all of a sudden people want lots of these pieces of paper from Royal City Brewery, uh, and there are a bunch floating around, that's fine. And I know they're gonna. I can just go to the, the Royal City and order another six pack, and they're gonna send me one of these. Big deal. That's gonna affect the value. But if it's gonna take me a thousand cases of beer before they <laughs> send me another one of these pieces of paper, it's like, oh, well, these other ones might be worth more. And uh, but at the end of the day, the very fact that I'm I'm rating these pieces of paper from Royal City in terms <laughs> that we can understand of Canadian dollars or U.S. dollars, it insinuates that there, the, the, there's no value associated with these pieces of paper beyond what I can trade it for to actual currency or actual. Uh, yeah, and I, and the, you're right. You got a point there because the legitimacy is that you know there are companies like uh, Shopify and others that have decided to accept Bitcoin. Well, but right. that's even a misnomer in itself because I remember there was always a big jump in the day of people saying, oh, so-and-so is taking Bitcoin, like Newegg is taking Bitcoin. So hold on a second. They're not taking Bitcoin. They're taking Bitcoin through, uh, they're not taking Bitcoin. They're taking US dollars or Canadian dollars through an intermediary. Immediately. So they it's don't actually ever hold the Bitcoin. Yeah. They just say, okay, well, yeah, you can use this service that we have to take Bitcoin, turn it back into dollars. and then Yeah, we're it. just going to turn it into the exact same. So you could argue they're taking Bitcoin insofar as that they are, you can use Bitcoin to purchase things from them, but there's an intermediary that's instantly swapping it into a, t a okay. currency or a service that I want. So it's like saying, but let's at least say it's conceptually feels like it feels you're like buying it. things with bitcoins, even though you're buying money with bitcoins, and then they're getting all the money. And that's not even getting into the fact of, let's say, I I have all these pieces of paper from Royal City, and uh, people are like, well, Jack, these Royal City piece of paper saying thank you for shopping local, th what's the value of them? It's worthless. And I say, well, hold on a sec, all these pieces of paper are backed one by one to Canadian dollars. Because I have this thing called, yeah. uh, I have this thing called tether. The Marshall Plan. Yeah, the Marshall <laughs> Plan. I have this thing called the the Marshall Tether that <laughs> says for every piece of paper uh, printed, I've, I'm going to put in. I have a dollar of Canadian dollars backing this, so it's, yeah. there's there's actual money behind this. And then it turns out that after it's exposed, that well, maybe I made up a whole bunch of that stuff, and I didn't always have a dollar for every time I printed these <laughs> tethers to associate it. But never mind. While well, I suddenly made these pieces of paper at Royal City Brewery worth fifty thousand dollars a piece, but at the end of the day, it's still always root. Nobody ever says it's a Bitcoin and just leaves yeah. it there. It's always it's fifty thousand dollar US or fifty six thousand dollars or whatever in yeah. Bitcoin. It, it's it's worthless for examining yeah. what its actual XP value is. Nobody says one because one is such a, a loser number. Yeah, but it to makes say it... X dollars in. Exactly, exactly. That, and, this uh, whole like, 
This whole metaphor is reminding me that I have a pickup at Waterloo. Because <laughs> 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 they called me today and said, hey, when are you going to come pick this up? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. How long sorry. has it been? It's, it was like mid-February. Oh my but god! But they never—they never sent me like a "it's ready" thing. I guess it was just kind of lost or it went to my junk or something. So I didn't actually know, but I kind of assumed at this point. Do, that it do they not ready. deliver it? I—I I decided to pick up. Well, you think like it's almost because I'm in a similar position with uh, Board Game Bliss a bit, in which I've had an order sitting there for probably months and months and months. And what Board Game Bliss does, you can merge orders. So I've had oh, stuff cool. there. So it's like, let's say you see something that you want, and you're like, oh, okay, well, hold on to it. Uh, cause it's yep. not, I don't want you to ship it and I don't want to pay $15 to have this game shipped. Cause that's like 20, 30% of the, the price of the game. But if you hit free shipping at two fifty, like just bundle it all together and send it to me. So eventually yep. you build up this order. And so I've had some stuff sitting there for a long, long time that I think they get confused unless you remind them and which feels kind of greasy to say like, Hey, can you, can you just ship all this stuff I've got for you there? But, uh, well, you I'm, know, if, if I added, Two more rocks, two more Wellington rocks to uh, to the order. You know, <laughs> I'd get free shipping. And I think, like, I think most places would be fine with that. Like, they might be a little irritated with like kind of the the managerial or the administrative overhead of getting it yeah. to like into the system to go. But when I was doing that stuff on my own, I, it was never a problem where people would be like calling up and submitting orders. And for us, I think it was a thousand dollars for free shipping, which sounds outrageous, but it's like when you're when everything's costing like a hundred bucks or two hundred bucks, it's not that bad. Um, so you'd have people constantly like, okay, call up and say, oh, I want you to hold on to this because I know I don't know when you're gonna have stock on it, and I want you to make sure it's for me. So I'll even I'll even pay for it right now, which was rare. Some guys would just have you hold on to it for, them. <laughs> but uh, uh, then they would just say, okay, what do I, what do I need for free shipping? Okay, I'll come back tomorrow or in a week with enough to add to the order to get free shipping, just because free shipping is such a remarkable psychological effect. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm not saying I fall for it because I don't think there's anything to fall for necessarily, but I think usually it's enough to get people to spend more just to avoid paying the uh, paltry sum. Because if you're buying one like, thing, it's annoying. Yeah. I think free shipping is essentially like uh, spend X, get 10% off. But free shipping feels much better. Exactly, exactly. And especially if it's not scaled, like if there's a flat free shipping fee, then you can yeah. really say, like, hold on, I saved 3% on my entire order by doing this. Uh, versus something where it's like, well, we don't know what shipping is. We're going to weigh it out <laughs> and then we're going to tell you what it is. And yeah. that's what it was for us. That's why free shipping was a big deal because if you had you're a big order, X. you're paying X. Like we're going to add the shipping later. Huh. So it could be 70, 80 bucks, which again, in the com- like comparison to what you're actually paying for the total order, you could say, oh, okay, like it, it's, it's, it may still be small, but it's still significant amount of money, especially if you're buying these 85 pound like battery backups that are just ridiculous. So. I yeah. just uh, I just brought up my order to see what shipping was my board game bliss order, so I made it on January twenty second. Um, status is unfulfilled because of my city, obviously. Uh, shipping uh, total cost sixty two eighty five. Shipping eight ninety five. Yeah. So slightly over ten percent. Yeah. And it's honestly nothing. It's it's really not that bad, but it's still. I think the way I look at it is that I if I'm going to get stuff, I don't mind waiting. That's it. Like I'd rather just add things slowly and then you know get a get the ignore the shipping when it comes to that. But I do want to I, point out the pre-order is now sold out. So I guess they did have like an X quantity that they were yeah. going to sell of the game that they didn't have. Yeah. So hopefully it's included in a in a shipment. 
It's just speculation. <laughs> it, it depends on how hot the game is. That if yeah. if there's sometimes you'll see stuff where it's like pre-orders are sold out and then they get their shipment and they I don't know if people cancel or if they just get more than they were expecting or they re-up the order if they see like but they have some available. Yeah, so they say like, oh, we had we we had, we ordered thirty and they all sold out. Okay, bring an extra ten and we'll see what happens. We're got we're not going to adjust the pre-order, but when we bring them in, we're going to have ten in stock for people to yeah. actually order. And if I have, I love board game bliss. The only thing I'll say is that their their notification system, because you can sign up for wish lists on there and like notify me when product is in stock, and uh, you'll get those emails way after the fact. So sometimes uh, you'll have this thing sitting there saying like, "Let me know when this is in stock," and then <laughs> you you wake up the next day and you're looking and it's like, "Oh, they got restocked," and, and the email they didn't, didn't notify you. And didn't then... even notify, so it's like a lagged uh, uh, notification. Which so I've. Definitely miss out on a couple of things here. Nothing serious, but it's always like <laughs> serious in quotation marks. But it's it's nothing enough to make you go oh, it's serious. It's never coming back, right? So anyway, Android Dungeon is a show about disc golf, <laughs> board games, uh, supply, uh, shipping and receiving, and uh, whatever else yeah, crosses path. Yeah. And Bitcoin, apparently. Uh, Joel, what have you been playing recently? Well, I've been playing a lot of Gloomhaven. Um, you, I know still, you had some thoughts about Gloomhaven, so yeah, let, yeah, I did write some things down. Um, Gloomhaven is a sort of um, well, we call it D and D in a box, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's essentially a, a completely packaged legacy game where you raid dungeons and you know ha- have combat encounters, and you just go through them. And there's a little bit of role playing, but uh, essentially, I mean, I, if you're listening, if you've been listening to us for the full five years. <laughs> and about three years ago, you heard us <laughs> talk about Gloomhaven a lot. Uh, the game, uh, you know, kind of blew the gaming world away. I think it, it won pretty much every award that it was up for. It exploded. And um, yeah, it's it's a really uh, good dungeon crawl game. Uh, but we've been playing a bunch of D and D, and this is what I was saying to to Jack. So I I know a lot more about the combat in D and D in comparison to other formats now. So I can like come now back to Gloomhaven with with different goggles than I had before, and I have some problems. You ready? Hit me. First of all, traps. I want to talk about traps in Gloomhaven because. <laughs> like a trap in like a role playing game, you think of a trap, right? Something hidden that you could step on and accidentally hurt yourself, or uh, you know, a door that's gonna shoot some arrows out at you. Um, in Gloomhaven, traps are objects that everybody can see and everybody knows exactly where they are. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, monsters don't really move you. Like there's maybe one or two cards that will like move players, but players can move monsters almost. Every mo- every player has at least two or three pushes, pulls to move monsters around. So traps in Gloomhaven, while they seem like traps or obstacles for you, are actually just opportunities for you to do damage. Would you yeah. disagree? No, no, I agree completely. It's um, especially depending on the scenario. It's when you end up with the stuff that oh, it's a flying monster. Then all of a sudden, <laughs> all your yeah. But then all that happens is that you don't damage the monster, right? You're not well, it's it's like, also in your way too. A problem. Yeah, yeah, they could be, but they, sometimes they protect you. I don't know. Yeah. Just a thought. Also, monsters will, if they have to, go over traps and <laughs> set them off. 
Well, it's because uh, it, so you it need to. They're able to do an attack. Just yeah. So if you set it up where it's like the monster, unless I'm misremembering the rules, if the monster has no other choice but to advance towards you to make the attack, it'll walk over the trap and set it off. And yep. so that's where you kind of you set these funnels where it's like, and some characters can create traps, which is fantastic. And yep. then you just end up with like doing a, basically a tower defense game. <laughs> yeah, so my first problem with Gloomhaven is that traps are ridiculous and basically just bonuses for, for the players. Mm -hmm. um, the second thing, um, I was playing in like I really deep into this demon campaign. I was just going from mission to mission, just like rushing forward, you know, not doing any of the side quests. And I got to the final one, and there's all these flame demons and sun demons, and they are like ground characters and there's lava all around and the lava does half damage um do they take damage because in gloomhaven i mean you don't want to get game to get too complicated gloomhaven is already fairly complicated so i can see why they're doing it but in gloomhaven there's no resistances there's no immunities so something that's literally made of the sun can take lava damage you know, it's I, I kind of see it more as that. I guess it, it depends on your the way you're staring at. It. So you see a sun demon, and you imagine something that's fiery hot, but it maybe it's more of like an idea, like it it looks bright. It's more of an idea. It versus well, it like lava, like lava is an elemental what about thing. Flame so, demons, though, you know. Well, the flames, I can imagine them like lava is pretty hot, Joel. Come on, man. I guess so. It's like it's earth and fire mixed together. <laughs> it's like, well, you l listen, the temperature of the average flame beam <laughs> <laughs> compares it to the temperature of molten lava. It's very clear. It's as written. Damage in this point. I know. Rules rules as written. written. Yeah. Okay. And, and then. And the game's hard enough as it is if you're yeah. playing, like, whatever. Please. My final beef is a little less thematic. Um, it is about discarding cards to avoid damage. Okay. In Gloomhaven, and obviously everybody's got different levels of being tactical, and maybe they do something differently. But if you got hit, let's say, with a four damage attack, that was double damage. Would you take eight damage, or would you discard a card to avoid all damage? I'd, I'd probably take it, but I can't. It's been a while. Really? Yeah. Well, to me, eight damage is worth, or sorry, a card is worth three damage. Really? I would say maybe four, depending on the situation. Well, it also depends on the cards you've got, too. Yeah, I mean, like, you're you probably going to be end up using your cards to heal, and you don't want your health to be too low. So you most likely, I would say, anything above three damage is mitigate. Well, obviously, clearly, maybe I'm wrong because you disagreed already, but um, I would say that it's impossible for a monster to do more than three damage to a player because of the um, lose a card ability. I, no, I, I don't think I don't think you're wrong about that. It's just to me, like, sorry to inter step on you here, but it's it seems to me like the the I don't mind discarding a, like a regular card. That's fine. Like that makes sense, and I, who cares? But I think the losing it, it'd be like playing. Let's look at like Twilight Struggle or something, and that you're you're coughing up a card that could potentially be worth way more. So let's say I save three damage to myself, but I may be coughing up the opportunity to, to like do 10 damage or something to a demon or change the battlefield completely to prevent like 12 damage down the road or 
it seems to me like it the simple sort of like cost like the more like uh, imagining a two turns down the line is saving you from it more versus taking the immediate hit like obviously if you're at death's door and you have no choice then that's fine but yeah i just think that like there's gonna be other damage attacks and you might be able to take like three other damage attacks that are two damage yeah instead of that one single attack of six i think it's worth it to lose the card and keep your health and then take those other three hits sure well look you've been playing way more than i have recently so i'll (laughs) i'll defer to you on this one it's um it i i think maybe it just like maybe gloomhaven knows me too well and just like i hate throwing away cards (laughs) that yeah maybe but you know it's it's kind of just like burning through going as fast as you can which is the other weird thing about gloomy i mean it wasn't one on on my list but like the fact that you're never really uh kind of investigating or slowing down at all you just the pace is like go 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 we have this very limited amount of moves and once we play this x amount of cards we're out of the game yeah and then on top of that obviously you're discarding cards to mitigate damage well that's where the i i remember hearing a description of it as um fantasy swat and i think that's perfect because the idea of like you're you're breaking in there's no time to sit around like checking things out and like oh i perform an investigation check of the statue uh it's like no 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 like there's terrorists around the corner there's there's goblins there's sun demons you gotta you gotta do stuff go 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 Anyway, I thought I'd figure finish with a positive note. So I'm going to tell you a story about uh, a, a mission that I recently did because I think I told you I was going to try it. Mm-hmm. Try something crazy, right? Yeah. So what, what ended up happening was I'm, I'm making it through this thing and there was the Lava Demon Sun Demon thing. And then I got to the final boss. The boss comes and he tells me, you know, great job. You've made it all this way. Go get this artifact for me or you can die now. Yeah. And I'm like, Pfft. We're gonna die now yeah. <laughs> so you know i i roll up the map you know get it all ready i don't look at the rooms i try to like cover them up and so you know i just bring out the first map then i do the city road card you know knowing that this is the hardest mission that i'm gonna have gonna have ever done and the city road card is there's a skull or sorry the road card is there's a skull sitting on a pole what do you do do you investigate or do you put yourself in a defensive position and what yeah, did you like, do, Joel? Oh no! Put yourself in a defensive position means you're probably screwed either way. So yeah. obviously, I do that. Yeah. Uh, if I had investigated, I would have lost. I would have started the round with losing four cards and three health. No, 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 no. As no, it no, stood, no, no. putting myself in a defensive position, I still lost two cards and three health, which <sighs> is still a ton of action. So I'm coming into this incredibly difficult uh, camp or uh, mission. It's the last mission. The reward is like 50 gold or something crazy. Um, and I'm like, I'm screwed. There's no way I can beat these demons. I'm just going to go straight for the boss and try to kill it. So the boss is this prime demon, and you can only damage him by attacking an altar. And the altar blinks <laughs> pretty much every turn That's to cool. another location. So what I'm doing, I'm running, I'm healing myself, I'm running, I'm healing myself, and I'm just going crazy, just doing only damage to the altar. Meanwhile, the Prime Demon, you know, chasing me down, doing these crazy amounts of damage. 
There's nine different demons I'm keeping track of, so I'm flipping like nine monster cards, and it's just like <laughs> this is an administrative nightmare because yeah. I haven't killed any of them. It doesn't sound fun up, to do. It just like, I actually <laughs> end up accidentally killing two of them, which was pretty cool. How do you just accidentally area, kill them? Well, in like area of effect attacks, I just happen to have them in it, and they're you know like three health, three shield, and then I do six damage. So oh, okay, dead. Um, none of the elite ones though, obviously. Anyway. Uh, it call comes down to this one round, and I need three damage. Tinker goes first, does her attack, whiffs, zero damage. Perfect. All of the demons go because the the Kragheart is like you know like seventy eight initiative or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, knock out all of my remaining cards. I had some cards left, all gone. Tinker goes down, gets knocked unconscious. Craghart has no cards left except for the two that he's going to play. It's a three damage card, but I can't get out of melee range, so I have to do it at disadvantage. <laughs> the first card I flip is a plus one. Yeah. And the second card is a bless ah! from Ghost Nation to the tree. And I succeed <laughs> on a plus one. Kill the, kill the altar. All the demons, poof, gone. I didn't kill us like I mean I killed a couple monsters, but it was like the ultimate cheese and like coming in with that disadvantage. It was like okay, Gloomhaven is pretty cool. That felt really good. Yeah, nice, well done. It's but what you just described though is I think I mentioned before is the one thing that I think a lot of people and I put myself in that position too say is the weakest part of the game is these these coin flip choose your own adventure kind of road situations where it's like eh, yeah why do I bother. Where it's just like it means nothing because you could have easily have like so. Let's imagine you took defensive position. It could easily have just been the skull is a friendly necromancer who looks at you d disgustedly and says, "I had all this gold and power to give you," and floats <laughs> away. It's like okay, well, what difference? Like I had nothing to work on here, so either one could yeah. have been the right. And answer. some of the cards are like only good things happen or only bad things happen, you know, yeah. or. I do like the ones, though, where it's like if you have this character, you know, like if you yeah. try to help rebuild and you have to have the tinker, then yeah. you succeed. It, it's that's one of the flaws of the game where it's where it try. I think it, it tries to be because you've talked about Baldur's Gate and I've talked about Divinity in a sense where it's you see all these checks that if you're X character or X class, um, it, it knows that and it reacts yeah. organically. And what's what the difference between that, like the computer game and, and Gloomhaven is the computer game isn't random. It's like you're there, you're not. Yep. That's it. With Gloomhaven, it's like take a giant deck <laughs> of cards and then take a bunch of characters you may or may not have even unlocked and kind of go, did you do this? Nope. Okay, good. Move on. And you, you're kind of left staring in the it distance. kind of reminds me of Dead of Winter. <laughs> <laughs> I will... <laughs> I hold you in contempt for bringing up Dead of Winter while talking about it. Uh, oh, anyway. contempt. Have you watched the Chicago uh, 7? No, I, I, I'll be honest. Uh, my friend watched it, and uh, he said he was so annoyed by Sasha Baron Cohen's Boston accent <laughs> or whatever, that he said he, would, he, like, he couldn't endorse it. I didn't care. There's like, <laughs> like, I think like four or five, like, and they're all Best Supporting Actor winners. Uh-huh. And with best supporting actor is always better than the main actor. You know, you got like that guy from Bridge of Spies that, that was like guy. a Russian spy. <laughs> um, Alan Arkin is like the best judge ever. He's just like such an yeah. 
Uh, some really good performances, anyway. It's, it's really I would I would watch it. All right, I'll, I'll think about it, Joel. <laughs> I'll, put, I'll put I'll put it in the queue. <laughs> Plus, it also just makes you even more angry about the existing legal system and all of the shenanigans with the Senate. The uh, I think I'll 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 do some real talk here for a second on the show. Avoid the legal system at all costs, ladies and gentlemen. Do <laughs> yeah. not. It's a Do joke. Not get it's involved in joke. it. Don't get involved. No matter what, like if you like, I'm telling you, it's like obviously if you uh, you've been assaulted or something, like go ahead, like feel free to press charges. But I'm saying avoid the situation where you're the one having charges pressed against you, or, or avoid this, avoid it all costs because it is not good. It's expensive. It is life draining. You'll look like the guy in uh, Last Crusade when he drinks the wrong <laughs> cup at the end of the entire thing. And you'll say he chose poorly, but it was like, well, what else was he supposed to do? Yeah. So anyway, that's... Uh, There's definitely echoes of the trial anyway in, in the modern, you know... Well, oh, the, you've got a witness? Yeah, I don't think we're going to do that witness. Or like, there's no witness. Or, and it's all, you know, historical. So Well, keep in mind, too, that I believe the United States has... Um, I don't know what's like in Canada, so I, I'm not trying to throw deliberate... Um, I hate the word shade, but like I'm, I'm, I, I'm <laughs> not trying to deliver. I'm not trying to pick on the U.S. specifically, but I think it's the U.S. has like a 97 percent or 98 uh, percent prosecution rate. So keep that in mind because so many people take plea deals. That's the yeah. the the real thing there. But uh, on that it's note, like when I contest my tickets, yeah, well, I took the one last time. Yeah, I was pissed off about it. Musical break. We back in a second. Stay tuned. Welcome back, CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was a bit of a throwback to Have and to Hold by Depeche Mode from the album uh, Music for the Masses, 1987. A fine year. Some would argue the greatest year. 97? <laughs> 87. Okay. <laughs> I, I think, Joel, are, yeah, you an 80, right. are you an 86, boy? Yeah, I'm an 86er. Oh, so Which, that. like, we had the expo. Nobody thinks about the expo except as a blight on was it Montreal '86 or was it Vancouver? Ah, nobody talks about Vancouver '86. <laughs> overshadowed, overshadowed by the Montreal Expo that uh, no, it's the Olympics in Montreal that like bankrupted oh, the province for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. They never recovered. <laughs> it took a long time Still to paying it off. <laughs> <laughs> the the Olympic uh, Commission hustle, but 
the reason I play that song is because the other day uh, I was listening to one of my favorite. It's 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 one of the two shows I could argue are really good on Sirius XM, uh, and it's a Sunday night at ten o'clock or nine o'clock on First Wave, hosted by a guy from his name is Matt Sebastian by, and he has a website or a music blog called Slicing Up Eyeballs, and it's all about dark. Uh, alternative 80s goth industrial and the reason i say it's the best show uh, or one of the best shows is because it sounds like something and this is a total compliment to cfru so i hope it takes it this way (laughs) that i would hear on cfru because it feels like a very passionate person who is uh, neck deep in this subculture and he plays the music that he wants to hear and that he likes and it's it feels like an old school sort of like dj picking what he wants from these from his songs and his catalog and his knowledge so that's why and it's a great song too obviously so (laughs) uh so before we went to musical break we were talking about gloomhaven we were talking about disc golf. We were talking about board game bliss and uh, and Bitcoin, all the rest of stuff. So um, I need to before we move on because I want to hear Joel talk about his um, his Tuesday D and D stories because I'm always intrigued on how <laughs> these ones go. But uh, I I want to talk about what I played on yeah. Saturday, which is um, 1817, which for those who aren't aware is i i would say safely it's the biggest 18xx game uh, i have played to date is that the one you were like sending me all the info about i was sending you a bunch of info about it Um, yeah and so that's the the craziest complicated well you go on do tell it's very chromey and i think joel and i need to talk about what chrome means in games and depending on what what we're talking about um Chrome typically refers to either two things. I'd say in a medium weight euro, I would say if it's got a lot of chrome on it, um, I would mean primarily that it's it's got a lot of like it's very pretty and it's got a lot of like tokens and icons and and things going on there. But when we're talking about one of these types of games, Chrome is typically referred to um, additional rules or complications that would not be present in a, a, yeah. a more neutral game so if you like 18 like there's a whole bunch of ticket to rides and one particular ticket to ride has like uh plagues in it or <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> that would be considered uh chrome that'd be it'd be chrome that'd be that's actually it's kind of a good example of um, it, it's just think about adding random wrinkles into the mix yeah. of uh i might be mixing metaphors here but extra <laughs> stuff and so 1817 puts us in perspective you have a uh, a map of the north i'd say the 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 mid northeast of the united states so it goes from the maritime provinces which are red hex in the top right the the northeast and the your bottom t- uh, ones are st louis and atlanta and chicago and raleigh durham so it mm-hmm. kind of cuts off a section of the map there so right away, 1817's big thing is that it's more focused on shenanigans with the stock market and companies. You don't so just go to Chicago? You can go to Chicago. There's no reward immediately for doing it. Um, so it's not like you get a bonus for being the one first person there. It's not 46. It's not, yeah, it's not 46. Although I think there are a lot of comparisons. And uh, there's even, if you go on Board Game Geek, there's Geek. 
There's even a, a summary sheet or an explainer for people who know 1846 because there's enough similarities between that to cool. try to help you learn it. Um, but there are a couple of things that jump out at you right away. So first of all, unlimited bank. So Ooh, theoretically, so there's no bank break. So how's no the game break. end? The game ends when the after the first eight train is either purchased or exported. And okay. I say exported because what this game does is because obviously it's based on there's no bank, so it's going to be based on trains. What happens is at the end of every OR, um, I don't know if it's each OR or it's the end of the second OR, a train is quote unquote exported, but basically discarded. And hey, that cool. An automatic sort of uh, acceleration of the game uh, in that sense. Um, so no bank. Game ends after the eight train shows up, and it, I think you do two or three ORs at that point. I thought it was two, but I, I swear I was reading something where it was three. Um, there's also no small towns, so you don't have to worry about little dits. So right away, uh, none of that's there, and there are unlimited tiles as well. So there's never a risk of you running out of straights or bends or curves or browns or green tiles. How do they do that in like in uh, real life? I think they just they literally print enough that it should be sufficient. And if really you need more of these, (laughs) yeah, exactly. And they say like if you run out, it's like all right, well, just look, just print a piece of paper, like cut a piece out or something, because theoretically this should not be happening unless people are just dragging their heels. So. Um, the, so that's the kind of the, 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 the meta description of the game in terms of like the, the structure, the, everything else kind of follows the same suit with regard to the operations. Like you, you run trains, they, the, each train has a number on it. That's the amount of spaces you can go to, uh, and you can choose to pay out withhold, or you can half pay out in this one, which, um, is a lovely, lovely mechanic. Uh, because it feels like you're you're accomplishing both goals depending on what you're up to and what your payout is, and it also has multiple jumps. So if you pay out enough, you can jump two spaces, um, or you can just go out up one or whatever. So it's up to you. Uh, the real shenanigans happen with uh, companies, and in between uh. ORs is when you get into the mergers and acquisitions, murders and executions, yeah. and. This is where you have an opportunity uh, based on, I believe, priority, um, but I, I could be screwing this up and it might be based on stock price. And that's where you're allowed to decide to merge companies. And if you, and this is something else. So companies based on the phase start out as two share companies when you literally only have two shares in the company. You get and, 50%? Uh, pardon me? And do you get 50% of it with a share? You, yeah, so you own the entire company essentially. That's hmm. all it is. Uh, but if you decide to merge the company, you can merge two two share companies together, and they turn into a five share company. Hey, so an extra share appears. An extra share appears, and you dilute your shares. Essentially, you're still getting paid out at the right the same amount, but wild share. But now there are shares. There's there's stuff in the treasury. People have the opportunity. I think at this point to buy. It could be wrong, but you think that's not enough. You also have the opportunity to merge five and five companies together, turn them into 10 share companies. What? Like like we are all accustomed to. Now it's a normal company. Now it's a normal company. You can also, you don't have to merge them to get there. You can also convert them on your turn. So you can turn a two and a five and a five into a 10. It take you can't do a two into a 10 all in one turn. It takes time. 
so when you do this, you also have to buy your station tokens. And this is where, and I believe this is a game that it appears to me, it felt like a lot about running companies well, because tokens are very tight and you want to think about where you're going to start. And the other part of this game is that all these, uh, all your public corporations you can start, A, you start them via auction. So let's say I look at one of these companies, and I say, I want to start the, uh, you know, the, I'm just going to pick a company out of nowhere. It's like, I'm going to start the Chesapeake. And it is in, like, is absolutely the same as starting any other company, except you've just decided to pick that one. And you start off and you have to choose a bid price. And essentially what it in is, any is location, right? And, and you pick any location on the board, oh. but so you can choose any spots and there are some spots that are more valuable and there's some different things you can do. And I'm not even going to get into the whole private situation because there's a bunch of privates that show up and you pick one of them. It's not even a waterfall style. You pick one private and you decide to bid on it and other people can decide to bid it up or not. And there's a seed pool. So you typically bid for something below the face value. And then from the seed pool, it matches or it doesn't match. It fills in the gap of whatever your money amount is missing. So let's say I'm bidding on something that's worth 40 bucks. I bid 15. Uh, all of a sudden, the $25 appears from this pool to match my you, bid. You bid? Yeah. So you bid on these like private companies like that. And people can bid okay, against it. That's pretty standard. That's pretty standard. But, it's, but you pick each one. But where does this extra money come from? It comes from a pool of 200 bucks that's always right there at the beginning of the game to help you float these corporations. And you get the money. You don't get it, but it oh, splits, just, it covers the difference between what Ooh. you're missing in this bid. And you use these privates when you're starting the public corporation to subsize the price. So let's say I bid $100 to start. Or we all bid back and forth, and the Chesapeake is uh, supposed to start at 150 bucks. Let's say I have this private that's worth 50 bucks. Now I only have to pay out of pocket $100 if I put this private into the public corporation, but it's like instantly putting that private into being purchased by this uh, public corporation. So now it's always got this little bonus or this little special company that's with it. it. It's very, it sounds complicated when I'm describing it and it's very weird, but it makes a little bit of sense when you're actually playing it and it's, and it's something to keep in mind. So right away, your privates are being absorbed into these public corporations and working. And they never fold. Privates never stop functioning in this game. So whatever you've got, they're always going to be working as long as you, like, let's say they're, and they're not always necessarily paying you money every round. Some of them only exist to like put extra tokens down or put like coal mines in certain places and these things, but they're always there. Um, so th an extra wrinkle into this whole sort of thing. Um, what I want to know is is who looked at this game, or sorry, who looked at like what is this most close to eighteen forty six? You said I'd say forty six. So who looked at eighteen forty six and said, you know what, this is just way too simple. <laughs> I think very dedicated people, Joel. Very very <laughs> dedicated people to this hobby, and that's I think that's it, the 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 lifeblood of this hobby as a whole are people who are who've obsessed with these little games and have decided to make their own variants on them and that's what i think makes and that's why i think 18xx never it's in a renaissance right now and i think civilization yeah. is stuck spinning in the mud um despite but we're uh, gonna bring it back we're gonna bring it back despite 99 games or whatever the name of the company's best attempt to but yeah. they haven't innovated they've they basically 
not since Mega That's right. They didn't go far enough. And they haven't tried any other stuff. So anyway. They just made the game again. The, that's eighteen seventeen in a nutshell. There's there's yeah. liquidations. There are short shares. You can short sell short companies shares, as well, um, which I'm not even going to get into. Nobody did it in our game because we we're all scared. And frankly, I think if anyone did it, they would have gone bankrupt because it's so. You can take loans. The loans are fantastic. You can Ooh. take loans to throw a hundred dollars in your company. Your share drops. Uh, let the two D stock market. So your share goes left whenever you take a loan. Is it fifty six? The Canadian one. Fifty nine. Fifty six. Yeah. 56 yeah uh taking loans in that is fantastic especially early eh? absolutely so you take loans in this and it gives you the capital needed to um buy lots of trains uh it 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 was i'm not saying i understand the game well um but i'm saying is i really enjoyed it and i'm concerned joel and maybe you can relate to this i'm concerned that if i were to stick with this one or play it more and more everything else would feel too basic afterward that it would almost feel like too simple because this lets you do so much the sandbox is so deep and filled with so many toys that i can i'm concerned that something like let's say 1830 or god forbid 18 max would almost feel too by the book uh to um to go back to but i'm nowhere near that and i think simplicity is often the king in these games i don't have to tell you how um about the about trying to get games in front of people that are way too complicated and see the life draining from their eyes um but i think amongst us amongst our our group that have played these games i think we could get 1817 in front of people and i think lights would lights would turn on all over the place because the the sheer amount of business you can get up to in this is is wild so that is nuts man just you went off to D. I don't know. Like, can you find a more complicated 18xx now? That's the question. Like, or have you, are you have you reached? Have you gone the deepest into the abyss that you could possibly go? Wow. Well, there's nothing more. To, there's know. nowhere. There's nowhere left to go for you. I was What's showing a more complicated game. <laughs> I was showing Joel pictures of 1854, uh, um, 44, the oh, like yeah. the one set in Austria, and that one was really complicated. It's for- 12 though. The the one with possibility of 12 players uh 1817 possibly could have 12 players yeah 12 it. players which is and they're all gonna have their own company <laughs> anywhere it's like there's no formula i have a question I, for you quick yeah, yeah. Uh, and i think i think we, maybe we chatted a bit about this but i don't remember exactly what the answer was top two right now let's just say because we haven't played all that many what are your yeah. top two right now i would say mine are uh, max and 60 and then maybe the 1830 just because i have a soft spot yeah um i would say mechs for sure and i don't even know what i put in my second spot right now maybe 1889 the uh, japanese one which is basically 1830 but um i I would like to say 60 but i feel like even though i've only played it twice i i don't remember it well enough to okay um just i like i enjoy it but i don't i don't know it well enough to comfortably put it in the top two so those are that's my stuff that that's my list at the moment and uh uh that's all i want to talk about 1817 so if you want to talk about your D session the dying moments joel i'm more than happy sure so we've got about um, uh, let's there's say something i forgot to tell you last time and it okay. was pretty critical because you know we like to laugh at mistakes yeah and this was a big one um the and you've been a barbarian before so you know about frenzy 
Are you talking about exhaustion, exhaustion. Joel? (laughs) So there were uh, two encounters, the Bullywugs and the Thousand Teeth. You fought them before. Um, You know, you know, they're pretty tough fights. But Seth is meticulous in calculating how long his frenzy has been going. And if it ends after 10 turns, he will frenzy again. Uh Uh-oh. He frenzied three times that day. He should have been dead. Three levels of exhaustion. You can get up to six before dying. Oh, is it? Oh, I thought it was three. (laughs) But at the third level of of (laughs) exhaustion, you have disadvantage on every single roll. And um, your speed, movement speed is halved. Yeah. So whatever. It's not a big deal. The fight's over. They go home. They rest. You know what is happening. I won't tell the people in in the show just in case they play. Um, but there's something at the lizard folk lair that they need to do. <laughs> um, anyway, he's rested now to the second level of exhaustion. <laughs> so his movement speed is still half. So everybody's running off to, you know, go fight this encounter. Um, and he <laughs> spends the entire encounter trying to get there <laughs> because they're all dashing and get there like, <laughs> uh, eight turns faster than he does. Oh my God. And two of them get knocked out. One of them almost dies. We get spared. Uh, And he's just, you know, he's cutting his way through them. And then eventually they brought him down. So that was kind of cool. But eventually he got there and he actually got a hit off. He's got 45 health. Yeah. The Sahuagin does his triple multi attack. 44 damage. Oh my god. Put him down to one HP. Oh my (laughs) god. Absolutely insane. Wait, doesn't he, shouldn't he only be taking half damage? Uh no he didn't rage. Oh wow. <laughs> uh well no I think you were a Goliath that was your half damage. I thought it was uh from raging. It's all barbarian? No, yeah. but rage doesn't give you uh, resistances. I'll have to look. Is you play. plus two on an attack hit? Some other things. Anyway, one uh, one other thing I thought you'd find really funny. Yeah. Um. So you know you have dinner with this guy and he's kind of shady. You guys I think did an insight check and decided that he wasn't to be trusted and then you kind of like followed him around the lair right and hit yeah. slept under his bed um that's right <laughs> <laughs> which was a good call uh really softened him up anyway um these guys um one of them does end up suspecting him he's there flirting with Oceanus yeah. and rolls insight gets a nat 20 wow I tell them he's lying. He's straight up lying. There's something very suspicious about him, you know, like, but you know for a fact that he is not telling the truth about his origins. He was talking about, like, the the thing. They did nothing with it. <laughs> they just, they were just like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, he's just a and, liar. <laughs> oh, oh, no. What they did was they pulled Oceanus aside, the yeah. two girls in the campaign, and they told Oceanus not to date him. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and then on top of that if i've got time for it yeah um in the middle of the night the guy who sacrificed himself to procan and was resurrected was given a dream by procan of the creature killing cl's willy-nilly he wakes up in the middle of the night with this dream and he said and it's like oh, what do you do and he says i go back to sleep 
<laughs> and he sleeps the rest of the night away. What are you supposed to do as a DM when you see that? It's like uh, I was I was just gonna be like, well, the the queen is dead. Nothing yet. Like you lost the thing, but you know you don't want to do that. You don't want them to have their fight. So yeah, I just kind of be like, kind of same situation you were in, but the guy was in a lot better shape. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> which was being very generous no kidding it's almost like i, I remember like in our first campaign remember like you guys went you went to like a tropical island in the middle of a, of yeah, a prison, yeah. Right? and yeah. i i was not you know i was not the nice guy dm back then and i was like well you guys missed everything it's all over <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was fine it was more just like yeah, yeah. oh well <laughs> we'll, we'll get to him yeah. we'll get him next time <laughs> All right, that's all we have for now. So yeah. we'll have to carry on the adventures next time. But uh, I look forward to hearing what uh, that not barnacle buddies are up to. Yeah, they there. still don't have a name. Come on. They haven't been to Saltmarsh. Nobody's asked them. Oh, <laughs> all right. Uh, thank you for listening. Android's Dungeon, CFRU 93.3 FM. Listen to us at CFRU.ca 93.3. Check us out on all your favorite podcasting websites. Look us at Instagram. Or shoot us an, Im- an email at droiddungeonradio at gmail.com. I can't remember the CFRU email for it, but so don't worry about it. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. I'm Jack. I'm Joel. Have a good one. Bye-bye, folks.